Welcome to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We are a community in Costa Mesa, California. To know more about us, visit our website, palmharvest.com. To follow along with today's message, download the Palm Harvest app and click on Sermon Notes. Thank you for listening. Apparently, I talk louder than Pastor Mike does, and so we're just going to dance through it. Um, So I want to say thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I want to give some special honor to Pastor Mike today for a number of reasons. Um, When I first moved here, my wife Rachel and I had been living in Springfield, Missouri for about uh, 10 years. Uh, I'm an Army kid, moved around a bunch of different places, went to school there, and that's where I ended up starting as a pastor. So I moved here, uh, and a friend of mine, you've probably met him before, his name's uh, Ian Stevenson, he works in the city, partnered through Trellis, and so he was sitting down, he was meeting with me, he's like, what's one of the things you miss uh, about Springfield, or what's one of the things you miss having come here that you, you wish you still had? And I said, this is going to seem really odd. I was like, but I miss playing basketball. It's like I had a group of friends, we all would play every week, we'd stay up late after our kids had gone to bed, and I just miss playing basketball. I never played competitive basketball in my life. I had a growth spurt when I was in college, so it was completely useless at that point. Uh, and so then I started saying to him, I miss it. He's like, hey, I know a guy. He gets some people together. He's like, you're going to have to wake up early, though. Like, you don't get those nightcaps anymore. You're going to have to be up at like 6 a.m. And so then he connected with Pastor Mike. There's a really aggressive initiation process to be able to play basketball on Friday. Some of it has to do with Rob and elbows, but we can come to that another time. Um, and so as we started playing basketball, it's been some of the best five years on Friday mornings and some of the people we've connected to there. And as Mike mentioned, in August of last year, my wife and I, uh, we had officially resigned from a pastor position we had held here uh, in the city for a little while. And anytime someone says that, you know, it's people like, ooh. We got like resignation guy talking today. Like that's awkward. Uh, it's not that at all. It's all, it's all fine and good. But it was just something we really felt like God had told us our time was over. It was time to be done. And it's really interesting. Anytime you enter into a space where you have no idea what next is, I mean, that's a very familiar to Christianity. But anytime you tell people, hey, I have four children and I don't know what I'm going to do for a job tomorrow, people go, oh, that's probably not a good idea, Justin. I was like, yeah, I understand. I have the four children. And, and yet here we are. They're still alive, I promise. Um, and it's been this really incredible way uh, to see God's guiding and leading. And the second thing I want to be able to say thanks to Mike for is, is when I had resigned, one of the very first people who called me was him. And he said, I just want to sit down with you. He's like, there's no agenda. There's nothing on that. I just want to be somebody who can be your friend in the midst of this and walk alongside you. Um, and that's a really incredible gift for anyone who's had the opportunity to do that. Uh, and I think for each of you, part of the reason why you're here this morning on Daylight Savings Time is because he made that same call to you at one point in your life too. Uh, and so I just want to show a lot of love, a lot of honor, and a lot of thanks. And so as we're doing that, if you have a Bible, um, go ahead and turn to Second Peter chapter 1. That's where we're going to spend our time uh, together today, Second Peter chapter 1. And to everybody who's online, Daylight Savings Time crew, I love you. I see you. You're here with us. And while you're turning there, what I want to do is ask just a question to begin. Has there ever been a moment in your life, and I know this is true, especially if you're married, that you forgot something that you were supposed to remember, right? Has there been something that you forgot that you were supposed to remember. I need you to store that to memory because some of you are just going to have to be honest and confess that thing out loud in a couple of minutes. So my family, we're in the midst of another transition. You heard I mentioned one from a couple months ago. We're still walking that one out, but we're in the midst of of another. Uh, Our family celebrated our daughter's uh, one-year birthday uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We have an 11-year-old son 
a nine-year-old son as of this week, a four-year-old son as of next month, and we have a one-year-old daughter. So it's a blasty blast at our house all of the time. So we were getting ready to celebrate her birthday. We had some family and friends we were going to meet at a park uh, and just, you know, do the smash cake, all the things that come, you know, with that. And an hour before, the landlord who manages our property called and said, the owners of the house are deciding to sell it. I was like, so you're going to have about 60 days in order for you to find another place. That's probably the worst time ever to receive that phone call, right? Especially just as you look at the calendar, we're in the midst of a school year. That's really hard. We're getting ready to go to a public place. where We've got all these family and friends who are there. And the purpose of that is to celebrate this little human being who's entered into our lives. And I get to take the phone call, walk outside, hang up. And I got to go pretend to my wife that everything's good. It was an easy phone call. I was just outside having feelings for, you know, seven-ish minutes. Everything is fine, right? So there's a little bit of a masquerade that was going on there. And so I shared this. Uh, some friends and I have this, like, video chat that we have going with each other throughout the days. And so I shared with them. I was like, hey, guys, I'm really going to need you to pray. It's like we found out we need a new place in 60 days. If you know the rental market around here, it's really difficult. And, you know, who knows if we're going to find something. It's like, and we'd love to stay in our neighborhood. We'd love our kids to be able to stay in the school that we're at. All of those are really difficult requests right now when finding a place to live. And so I'm sharing this thing, and it's just becoming this really difficult spot. And incredibly, within 72 hours, we had connected to somebody in our neighborhood who is renting a house, and within five days of us having been on the phone and having heard that we had 60 days to move out, five days later, we had signed a lease agreement on a new place in our neighborhood, like literally down the street. It was the most miraculous, incredible thing. And one of my friends, while he was watching it, he didn't see the initial video. He just saw me send this text message that was like, guys, we got this house. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. And so as he's going back and watching these videos, he has this moment where he can see me like riddled with anxiety and confusion and doubt. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. My wife and I throughout all of those days were praying like maybe we should just take the hint, right? Like we had resigned from our job. We're still kind of navigating that. We just found out we're going to have to get out of our place. Like maybe we should just take the hint that God is saying, Justin, it's time to move. Like, you should start looking at other places. And so he's smiling because as I'm expressing all this, he already knows the other side of the story, right? He already knows how that prayer has been answered. He already knows what's happened. He already knows that there's joy-filled expression that's already on the way, but he gets to see it in the moment. And I think sometimes when it comes to our life of faith and our journey of faith, I have to believe that God's perspective is a lot like that sometimes, that will bring this like heavy-hearted, anxious, I have no idea what's going to happen. And God is on the other side like I do. Like I have full context and full awareness of how you're going to be thanking me on the other side. Whether he says no, right? Because plenty of us have prayed prayers and we're thankful that God said no, right? We're thankful God didn't answer that one. And then there's plenty of times where we've prayed and we had no idea how it was going to turn out and how God was able to bring us through. So this week my wife said to me, she's like, hey, on April 1st and 2nd, you need to take some time off of work. And I looked at her, I was like, why? We don't have any birthdays. There's certainly not an anniversary right now. Like, what am I missing about April 1st? I was like, I get it that it's April Fool's Day, but I don't think you would try to play that joke on me then. So what is it about April 1st? And if you've ever like had that moment with a person you love and they look you right back in the face and say, I can't believe you don't know why, you need to take April 1st and 2nd off. And so you could feel the tension mounting. And I did. I looked at her. 
like, any hints? And she said, she's like, Justin, on April 1st and 2nd, we're moving. You should have the day off of work so that you could help us move. I was like, totally. I was like, I totally should be a part of that process. 100%. Like, oh, you were talking about moving. I thought you were talking about, like, we've all done that card before. And so we've had that moment. You've had a moment where there was something you were supposed to remember. It could be something light as easy as that, or it could be something a lot heavier. And so there's some of you who are going to need to take a risk right now. I know Pastor Mike does this. I've seen the YouTube videos. So some of you, this is crowd participation. Something you forgot that you were supposed to remember. Let's see a show of hands. Anyway, you? You said, you said it out loud. Go ahead. What do you got? No? That was your, wasn't it? Did, you said me. Oh, when you woke up. But you, like waking up, you have an excuse for that. You're fresh, foggy brain, but you remembered, right? <laughs> so how did you make up for it? That's it. Yeah, that's a winner for every mom, right? And when you're leaving today, just give her another one, right? Bonus hug. Anybody else? You got one? Yeah, that's a good one. The double reminders. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't good. It, the tension's still palpable on that one. Yeah. Now, is this two days ago Friday? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Um, yeah, Pastor Mike's available after service. Uh, we've got some tables set up next. One more? Anybody got one? Anybody? <laughs> yes. Wonderful. I love Benihana. Did you forget how much you loved it? No, it was a quick reminder when it came back. All right. So everybody's got one, right? Everybody has this moment where you're like, I forgot. I should have remembered. It could be as simple as, you know, taking out the trash. It could be as, you know, simple as forgetting a birthday. All of that's happened to plenty of us. But one of the things that's really unique is that we are a forgetful people. It happens all the time. And coincidentally, as I was even just thinking and reflecting on this coming into this weekend, the Bible reading plan I had kind of led me to this portion. It's not 2 Peter 1, but this portion of the Bible that helped to show this time where people had forgotten and why they needed to be reminded to remember. And here's what it is. It's Joshua 22. And here's what they said. It's like, while they were still in Canaan, they came to a place called Gileoth near the Jordan River. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh stopped to build a large and imposing altar. The rest of Israel heard that the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had built an altar at Gileath at the edge of the land of Canaan on the west side of the Jordan River. So the whole community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and prepared to go to war against them. First, however, they sent a delegation led by Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, to talk with the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. In this delegation were ten leaders of Israel, one for each of the ten tribes, and each of the head of his family within the clans of Israel." Now, if you've read much of the conquest story, if you've heard about how Israel entered into the promised land, there's a lot about God's holiness, his reputation, his character, the preservation of worship of God alone. And so you've got this moment where as the tribes are starting to settle, there's three of them that decide, hey, we don't want to go on the Jordan. We like this land over here. It looks good. Let's take a piece of this land. You guys can have the rest over there. So they set up shop. And what they decide to do is they build an altar out there. And so these other tribes start to hear, you've got these three tribes building an altar, that's a problem. 
And so they don't say like, oh, we're going to ask some questions. It's like the whole community, once they hear they're building another altar, it's go time. Right? Everybody starts grabbing their swords and their spears. They're like, we're going to fight our family over this altar. That's a big deal, right? It's not like some stray other group of people. It's not some enemies of the past. It's like you saying, I heard my cousins were doing wrong. We're going over to auntie's house right now. Like we're going to make some things happen. And so as this altar is being built, everyone gets together. But they said, hey, before we get too crazy, let's just send Elias over there. Let's have him ask some questions. And so what goes on is as this delegation goes over, they start asking, like, why did you guys do this? Like, why in the world, after all that we've done, after all that we've been liberated from, we've been walking around the desert for 40 years, we got delivered out of slavery in Egypt, God's given us this promised land, and now all of a sudden you're going to start building altars to other gods? Like, why did you desert it so quickly? And the other tribes were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, that's not what we're doing here. We're not building an altar to somebody else. We're not having some other thing going on. No, no, no. This altar, this one that we're building, this is for you. And they're like, for us? Like, what, why are you building an altar for us for? And they had this moment where they said, here's what we knew was going to happen. We knew that years from now, we'd be living out here on the other side of the river. You'd be there on the other side. You know, you got east side, west side. We're over here on the east side, you're on the west side, and there's going to come this moment where you're going to go, hey, those guys over there, they're not with us. Like, they didn't do any of the things that we did. They didn't have to walk any of the things that we walked. It's time for us to handle those guys. So what we decided to do is we're going to build this altar, and we're going to set it up here so every time you cross over the river, you're going to remember, oh, these are us. These are our people. These are our cousins. This is family. We don't have to go to war with them. And listen to the way that it ends in verses 32 to 34. They say, Then Phinehas, son of Eleazar the priest, and the other leaders left the tribes of Reuben and Gad and Gilead and returned to the land of Canaan to tell the Israelites what had happened. And all the Israelites were satisfied and praised God and spoke no more of war against Reuben and Gad. The people of Reuben and Gad named the altar Witness, for they said, It's a witness between us and them that the Lord is our God too. And so you can almost hear like the whole mob quiet down. Like all of Israel's, they're ready for war. The delegation comes back and they're like, guys, false alarm. I know we got a little crazy about the altar thing. Here's the deal. They built it for us. It's like a friendly reminder that every time we go across the river, they're cool. We're cool. God is our God too. And they're like, oh, well, I guess we go back to our tents now. Like it's just, you can feel the tension start to ease. And when we have these moments in the Bible, we'll read certain sections of the Bible and we're like, I would never do that. Like, I would never hear they built an altar and now it's time to go to war. I'm ready to go get somebody. Or we would say, like, I would never doubt. Like, if Jesus told me to walk on water and come out of the boat, I would have walked the whole way. Jesus and I would have been skipping. I never would have fell, right? I would have never listened to this giant taunting our nation out in the battlefield and thought, we could take that guy. I, it wouldn't have taken some teenage boy with a couple rocks to come out. Like, I, that wouldn't have been me. And yet, here's the reality. If we take a moment where we pause and we really have a moment with our, when we're honest with ourselves, we have much more in common with the people of the Bible, especially in their doubts, than we'd ever care to admit. And rather than us feeling that that makes us lesser, if anything, it allows us to find our place with the people of the Scriptures to say that we are like them too. And if God can take them in these moments, then God can take us in our moments. And so I invited you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Our key verses for today are going to be verses 12 uh, to 15. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. And here's what it says. 
Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. And that's the big idea for today. If you're taking notes, if you've got a place to write it down, our big idea for today is remind me for as long as I live. Remind me for as long as I live. They say if you say it three times, you'll really remember. So remind me for as long as I live. I was uh, speaking with a friend of mine recently, and he said, you know, one of the interesting things about Christians is that they're the people that I've noticed whenever faith is required, that they're the people who are the most doubting. I was like, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, we're like, we're faith people. Like, this is what we do. We believe in things we haven't seen yet. We hold on to things that we haven't been able to grab hold of. We believe in something that we haven't yet been able to attain. So faith is what we do. And yet in moments where faith is really, really necessary, we're often the most nervous. Like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And then if we, again, if you could step aside from yourself and go, come on. Like, you know, you know how this is going to turn out. But when you're in the moment where you can't see through the fog, you have no idea what's going to happen next. It's hard for you to be able to find daylight. You're just struggling to take the next step forward. It is in those moments where we're like, God, where are you right now? Like, I know I believe, but I have no idea where you are. I don't even know where I am. And so he's like, I just find it intriguing that when these moments happen, we're the first to respond that way. And it doesn't matter how many times we've seen God show up. It doesn't matter how many miraculous moments we've seen God do. It's when the next moment where faith is required comes, we're like, oh, you're asking me to do this again? Like, you want me to take this step again? And yet that's the invitation that God has given to every one of our lives. And so for a lot of us, when life gets really hard that way, it can be one of those moments where we just keep questioning, like, God, are you really with us? Like, are you, are you still here? Are you still holding on? And that is, again, you'll see that refrain throughout the Bible. And so I just want to recap some of the things that have come in our life over the last couple of years, because I'm going to be honest with you. Life for the Chandlers has been hard. It's been a hard couple of years. Uh, just getting close to two years ago, uh, my father-in-law passed away. And it had been something that had been, it's hard to say that it was like a long time coming, but he had been sick for a while. But if you've ever had those moments where you've had a family member or a friend or someone you knew, even if they've been sick for a while, it seems like death comes really fast. And no matter how much you can prepare yourself emotionally for that to come, you're never prepared for the phone call when it actually happens. And so as he uh, entered into his rest and we were able to celebrate his life, it was one of those moments where it was, there was a sense of how he had been able to get some relief of some of the things that had really been hurting and paining him for a while. But then there was also the reality of, well, we're never going to see him again. And that happened a few months later. Our daughter was born, and it was... And it, can, it was. It was the most traumatic moment of my life. It was exceedingly difficult and hard. And as great as her little life is and her spirit is, like her entering into the world was incredibly difficult for her mom, which made it really hard for me on the sidelines to watch. And so you kind of have these couple stacked next together. Um, a few months after that, I had told our executive staff that I was a part of, that I was going to be resigning and leaving. Just felt like God had said that it was our time to do so. And so that kind of comes a few months after that. A couple months after that is when it becomes public and official. Then from about August into December, I'm kind of navigating this jobless vagabond journey, which is a very interesting place to be in. 
here with kids and all of the stuff that goes with it. And so we're kind of walking through that, not sure of where that goes. Because again, you could pray something and you could take the step of faith, but a lot of times we feel like God is going to respond like McDonald's, right? Like I requested a faith order and by the time I drive up to the window, God can just deliver and we'll be good. We don't really like to navigate the times where it's days, weeks, months, years. But if you see faith journey in the Bible, like most of them measure in decades, like not in (laughs) a couple of weeks. So here I am like months later going like, where are you, God? And I think everybody who would be considered a hero of faith is like, young man, you are just getting started, right? Talk to me in 35 and see where you're at on this whole process of promise. And so we walked through that. And then we found out, like you heard me say, we found out recently we had about 60 days to move. And none of that has anything to do with the stuff that we navigated through COVID and all the different implications that came with that with school and kids and family and friends and all the list that goes on from there. And during a lot of this time, there are moments where I would ask, like, God, where are you? Like, like legitimately. And though there was a longer space between some of those events, like, you know what it's like to feel like things just keep stacking one on top of the other and none of them start to feel any relief. And so they're not happening day after day, but they're close enough that kind of the weight that rests on your shoulder or the weight that rests upon your chest at night, it just starts to mount more and more and more. And sometimes we just pray like, God, could you just give us a break? Could you just throw us one now and just let something happen, right? And so we continue to do that. And there's been plenty of times in my life where I've seen God come through. Like plenty of moments where if we said, hey, would you testify to what God has done, that I'd be one to raise my hand and say, I saw God show up here, and I saw God show up here, and I saw God show up here. And yet in this moment, I sat and went, I don't know where he is. And sometimes I wonder when and if he's going to show up or if he's just going to let me kind of walk this thing out until I figure it out. And as we start to sit in that place, we've both had enough experience to know that God will come through. And yet we're sitting in the place going, God, where are you and what are you going to do? It leads me to the first point we've got for today, which is this, that we are prone to forget. We are prone to forget. Not just the trash and not just birthdays, right? Or how much we love Benihana. But we are prone to forget. Whether you're a Christian or not, new to faith, you've been here for a while, We're prone to forget, and it's one of the things that's just true of humanity. It's a truth across all of humanity, right? We need to have calendars because we're going to forget what day it is, right? So thankful that those come on phones now. But often there'll be days where you wake up and you're like, I don't even know what day it is. I just know it ends in Y, right? That's the only thing I've got going for me right now. We need clocks to remember what time it is. It's especially difficult today because the sun has us all messed up and this whole moving forward thing. Like, we're going to be wrong for a few days, right? We have holidays to remind us because of moments of significance, because if we don't have that holiday reminder, we're going to forget why we're celebrating. Some of us have been told that if our head wasn't attached, we'd lose it, right? Others of us have been told that you're going to be late to your own funeral. We've got plenty of moments where we have to be reminded because we're prone to forget. And Peter knew this, right? The author of this book, he knew this. And as he was writing this second letter, he knew that this group of people he was talking to, these believers that he was speaking with, he knew life was going to come in a way that they were going to forget certain things. They were going to forget to remember because when life gets hard enough, you forget about all the things that are true and all you're doing is focusing on what is. And so he knew, hey, you're going to forget this. And so he wrote to remind them like about these things. He wrote to remind them about certain things that he would call them to remember. And we would ask the question, like, what are the things? 
At this point, all we know is that he's reminding us of these things. And so I'm going to ask you just to scroll a little bit higher if you're looking on a phone. Look a couple verses back if you've got your Bible. We're going to start in verse 3, and we're going to read down to verse 8. Here are these things. It says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great uh, great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your, our, your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is a list. Like when you start looking through the things that are included there, he's like, I just want to remind you of some things that you're prone to forget. And I know when life gets hard, there's going to be a part where this is just going to check out of your brain. I just want to remind you of these things. And you look at those things that God has given us everything we need for a godly life. That when you look at like what it looks like to step into a life of faith, to follow Jesus, to have your life be conformed and transformed into his image and his likeness, he says that God has given you everything you need to be able to do that, right? Like he's not holding back on you, saying if you play your cards right, I'm going to give you some better stuff, right? There's tears to this whole thing, and you've got to invest first before you're going to get something. It says that God has given us everything we need for a godly life, that we received that because we came to know him, that because we said yes and responded to God's moving in our life, God's first move towards us, that we now received that and we have everything we need because we responded to that invitation. So we didn't do anything to receive it. We didn't do anything to earn it. We simply said yes and God said, here's everything you need in this life of faith and following me. That he's given us his great and precious promises. That as we stepped in and from our first moment of yes, God said, there are things that I promised long before you were born that all of those you're able to now grab hold of. That this thing from the very foundation of the world is now being laid at your hands and you can now grab hold and take hold of those precious promises. And those aren't for other people. They're not just for strangers or for other people you know. They're not just for the pastor you've heard of. Those great and precious promises are for you too. These promises enable us to share in his nature, that we get to become more like God, that we get to be transformed to become like who he is, not just, you know, some kind of mirrored version of ourselves or a better version of ourselves. We don't just get to like add Jesus into our life, God bless you, and then now get to walk into that. Instead, we're those who are able to walk forward into us being changed to his nature, that we take on less of ourselves and we take on more of him. And by doing that, we get to escape the corruption of the world, all the things that hold on to our heart and keep us enslaved, that God provides a way of escape that isn't us leaving the planet. But those things that were grabbing hold of our heart don't grab hold of our heart anymore because he's grabbed hold of our heart. And those things that used to keep us bound or enslaved, we're not enslaved to him anymore because he's set us free. And so now we're able to escape the world's corruption. And so it says, make every effort to respond to his promises. Not every effort to do better. 
Not every effort to work harder, not every effort to prove yourself or to show that you're worthy. Your every effort is just to grab hold of the promises that he said. To receive the words that he said about you and to say, I want to hold on to that and make it mine. And then he starts giving us like this vitamin list, right? Just a bunch of supplements that we get to add one to the other. That we supplement our faith, like our belief in things we haven't seen yet. And we supplement that with moral excellence. That we start to live our lives to become more like Jesus. And then we supplement our moral excellence with knowledge that we actually get to know him. We get to know more about the God of the universe, and we get to have an exchange in words and dialogue with him. And so it's not knowing him like we know a celebrity we can read about on Wikipedia or stats that we could know about Matthew Stafford since he's a Super Bowl champion now, right? It's not that kind of knowledge. It's a knowledge of someone that we have a living, active relationship with. And that knowledge then causes us to live with self-control, that we're not those who just get caught up in stuff and have no idea what we're doing, but we make willful choices that are continually to choose and lead us towards Jesus. That self-control then gives us endurance that we can hold on and stay in because we know who God is and we know what he's promised. That's going to allow us to stick through really difficult times and moments where we can't see through the fog because we know we're not going to fall off a cliff when we take the next step. And that endurance is going to give us brotherly affection because when we see other people who are walking through things that we've already walked through and we've had the ability to come out of the other side, it lets us sit down with them at coffee and say, I know what it's like to resign from your church, so I just want to be one who sits next to you and tell you you're going to make it. It's that kind of brotherly affection that leads us there. And as we do that, it's going to cause us to be more productive and useful for what God has for us here on the planet. And so he stacks that list together and he says, I want to remind you of those things. And when you read that list, you probably need that reminder too. Like, I don't know your life. I don't know your story. I don't know what you're walking into today. But whether life is really good right now, you need to be reminded of that list. And your life could be in the most difficult place it's been in a really long time. And you need that reminder from that list to remember God's promises and to grab hold of that. It's one of the things I can appreciate about this song called Come Thou Fount. It's an old song, but we don't really talk like that anymore. And I think part of the reason I love the song Come Thou Fount, or those are three words that I would like not typically pair together. And having not grown up in church, like that's not language of my past at all. It's never been in my vernacular. And so it's kind of fun to say out loud, right? On the drive home, you could just be like, Come Thou Fount, right? But there's the third verse of that song which I'm going to read it because if I were to slip in it, every one of you would be like, you don't remember. But it's the third verse of this song that I think is especially poignant to today. But the third part is what's really interesting to me. It says, Oh, to grace, how great a, de- a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Man, and isn't that the prayer for the doubting heart? For those who are prone to forget or prone to wonder or prone to lose heart, for us to be able to say, God, here's my heart. Take and seal it. Like, would you keep my heart from going astray? Seal it for your courts above. And that leads me to my second point for today, which is this. We fall away when we forget. The second point is we fall away when we forget. These opening verses of Second Peter, they continue in verses 9 to 11. And he says, But those who fail to develop in this way 
are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this way, this thing that we've been talking about, this way points back to these things, right? You can see how the language is starting to connect together. That those who fail to do these things, the things that they would fail to do would be they'd fail to share in the nature of God, they'd fail to respond to God's promises, and they'd fail to escape the world's corruption. Those who fail to do those things, that they're going to fall away. And what it says is that that person's short-sighted, right? They just can't see beyond what's in front of them to what they really should be able to see. Because if they could see beyond that thing, they wouldn't be keeping their eyes on that. They'd be able to look ahead. Or they're just outright blind, that they have no idea what to see. They can't see anything. And because they either are too focused on what's in front of them or they feel like they can't see, they'll lose sight of those things. And then that is what causes a person to fall away. And when we read that, there's a portion in there, like when you read verse 10, that we could start to get the wrong idea because verse 10 says to work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. And some of us have this perspective of God that as he sits in heaven, like he's looking down and he's like, you better work hard. Like, you better earn it. Or every time we stumble, that God's looking like, I can't believe it. Like, you did it again. Right? And yet, the longer I've been a parent and the more children I have, the more I realize that that's so far from the truth of who God is. Like, our little one-year-old is the fastest walker in our whole house. So she just, I guess she's trying to keep up with everybody. But there wasn't a moment where she started taking her little steps and she stumbled that I was like, unbelievable. You've walked three already and you tripped on step number one. This is getting ridiculous. You're 11 months now. It's time to contribute, right? Like, it's not that. Or even now, she kind of weeble wobbles her way down the hallway. I'm not like, how are we not running yet? Like, what? Well, you've been doing this for how, like, when are we actually going to start taking some steps? No. And I'm just a guy. I'm just a dad. Like, I, I have my own flaws. I get upset about plenty of things. And if I could feel that way about my kids, then how would the God of the universe feel towards us? Like, surely he's not sitting in heaven going, come on, you guys. Like, this is getting old now. Like, you've been doing this thing for how long? I mean, we started this 20 years ago and you still got that? No. Like, wouldn't he still be kindly leading us towards him and guiding us towards repentance and, and causing us to say, like, you, you really can't do this. And if that'd be true of him and true of us, I mean, surely that would be true of him. And again, as those verses start to say, what we would remove from those ones is as we start to work hard, what do we work hard at? We work hard at reminding ourselves that God has given us everything we need. So in the moments we stumble, it's not because God was at lack. God has given me everything that I need. And he's given me everything I need because I know him. And because I know him, that's the only reason my heart would go, I can't believe I stumbled again. But I know him, and so I want to walk forward with him. That he's given me great and precious promises. Those promises allow me to share in my nature, so I don't have to keep sharing in this nature. I don't have to keep doing that thing. But I want to keep letting my heart be led closer towards him. And those promises are going to enable me to escape from some of this corruption that's still trying to find its way into my heart that's still trying to find a foothold, if only I'll give it an opportunity. 
And yet, because God has given me everything I need, I want to hold on to him. And so then I make every effort to respond to those promises. Like, that's the work that I do. That's, that's all the hard work that I have is to respond to the promises of God and to grab hold of them. It's something that you would hear Paul say in Philippians chapter 3, where he says that I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Right? It's this moment where because God has grabbed my heart, then I just want to grab hold and hold on close to him. Because God has given me his promises, I want to remind myself of the promises that God has given. I want to be able to say that God has given me everything I need, so I want to make every effort. Like, this is our response, and this is how we keep ourselves from falling away. This is how we keep ourselves from being short-sighted. This is how we keep ourselves from being blind. So in the moments where you can't see through the fog, you remind yourself of what God has already promised. In the moments where you have a hard time taking the next step, we remind ourselves that God is stepping with us. And so as we've read this in kind of sections, as we prepare just to bring the service to a close, I want to read this all together because I think it's really important for us to hear this all kind of there. So we're going to start in verse 3, we're going to read down to verse 15, and then we're going to prepare to respond and sing one more song. So we'll start in verse 3. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who has called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I always will remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you've been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I'll work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. This is the reminder that you need, and this is the reminder that I need today. And, I, and for each one of us, this is the reminder we need for our lives as long as we live. Because as we get close to the end of our days, we're going to be, need to be reminded of God's presence there too. When we walk in the midst of good days, we need to be reminded that those good days came from God's hand too. And we walk in the midst of hard days, we need to be reminded that God has already walked through us, walked with us through some of our hardest days, and he will walk with us through these ones too. And so here's what I want to invite you to do is we're going to get ready to end and we're going to sing one more song together. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes, not because there's something magical about that, but it's going to be a moment where I want to invite every one of you to respond today um, to Jesus. And so if you would just go ahead, just bow your head, close your eyes again, nothing magical about that. Um, and here's the ways that I'm going to invite you to say yes. There's some of you in the room, maybe there's some of you who are watching online who have never said yes to Jesus before. 
that you've never experienced the way in which God has transformed and changed your heart. 20 years ago, I said yes to Jesus for the very first time. And every opportunity I have to stand and speak, whether it's on this stage or you know through YouTube, I wanna create an opportunity that if that's you, that you have a chance to wave your hand. So if you're watching online, you can wave a hand emoji or you can type in the comments. And if you're in the room, I wanna invite you to say yes too. So whether that's saying yes to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you were someone who said yes to Jesus, but you would say, I feel like I've fallen away. I feel like I wouldn't even know if I would call myself a follower of Jesus, a Christian anymore but I feel like there's a gap between my relationship with God and I, and I want that to change today. Could you just lift your hand up real high because I want to be able to pray for you. So those of you who would say, I want to say yes for the first time or I feel like I've fallen away and I want to say yes again. Yeah, thanks for lifting that hand up. Thanks so much. We'll take a moment after where you and I have a chance to pray together. I'd love to do that, all right? Those of you who are waving online, we'll be able to respond to you in the comments. We want to connect with you there. For those of you who are saying yes, this is the moment where the promises of God enter into our heart for the first time, where we receive the reminder that lets us know God hasn't left us or forsaken us, but he's still with us. For some of you, you're walking and you just say like, I've forgotten. Like I've forgotten the, thing that, the things that God has promised. I've forgotten that God is with me. I've forgotten any number of things. And you just wanna be reminded of those moments. Or maybe you just need a reminder that God's come through already. You want God to remind you of that moment when you were 20 and look at the way that he showed up or he reminds you of this situation where you had no idea how you were gonna make it and you want God to remind you. And so if you could use a reminder from God today that he's with you and he's walking with you, could you lift your hand up real high too? I'm gonna be able to pray for you. Yeah, thanks so much. We're gonna take some time to pray about that too. Thank you. And to the last group of people, life's really hard right now and I could say like life's really hard right now and if you're one who's joining in with me and you're saying hey life's really hard right now and I just I want God to walk with me I want to say that there's light in the midst of this that there's hope to hold on to like your prayer could be like God I have no idea what you're doing but I trust you right and that two things can be true at the same time and you could say that you love Jesus life is really hard and you have no idea what he's doing. So if life's really hard for any number of reasons, physically, emotionally, financially, whatever, but if you're saying life is really hard right now, could you lift your hand up too? Because I want to be able to pray for you. Thank you so much for those of you who are lifting your hands up. Let's do this. We're going to take a moment where we pray together and then we're going to sing this song as a response. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for today. I want to thank you, God, that every one of us needed a reminder. We needed a reminder that the God of the universe put on human skin and entered into this world so that he would be able to reveal God's nature and character and invite us into a relationship with him. And I want to thank you that as the spirit was present at the beginning in creation, so the spirit is present with us now and is inviting us to respond and to say yes to all that God is doing. And so for those who have said yes in the room and responded to that loving relationship, to those who have responded online, we wanna say thank you, Jesus, that you're still speaking to the human heart and calling us into relationship with you. That the evidence that you're alive and resurrected is in you would call us and we'd say yes and we get to experience you. God, to those who have forgotten, I pray that even in this next moment as we sing together to close, that you would have moments where you'd remind us of your presence. You'd remind us of your goodness. You'd remind us of your promises. And that would help us to hold on. 
That would help us to grab hold of your promises and not to find ourselves trapped in this world's corruption, but even being able to grab hold of your heart in the way that you've grabbed hold of ours. And in the way, God, that some of us are walking through really difficult days. God, you've spent your time walking with faithful people in the midst of difficult days. And I pray that, God, you would walk with us. And I pray that in the same way that this text encouraged brotherly affection to surround those who are walking with endurance, God, I pray in the same way that palm harvesters would walk with those who are in need of endurance. And would the brotherly affection of this room arise as we walk with those who are in need. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing one more song. Thank you for listening to the Palm Harvest podcast. We would love to get to know you. So download the Palm Harvest app for free and fill out our connection card. Your continued support helps us spread hope around the world. You can also give in our app and find out more about our community.